Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, Bears fans? Welcome to another episode of Bear Chat here with Chicago Sports Nation. My name is Harrison Barzik, and I'm here with Austin Green. Austin, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hey, guys. Um, my name is Austin. I'm a uh, 20-year-old college junior in uh, the L.A. area. Uh, I've done some work, uh, some freelance work at different kind of L.A.-based uh, uh, sports blogs, um, uh, counterparts of... Uh, Chicago Sports Nation, to be sure. Um, done some uh, internship work at NBC, um, some freelance work, like I said, and um, I uh, am currently the managing editor of my school's newspaper. But uh, most importantly, for the purposes of this podcast, uh, I'm a pretty big Rams fan. So uh, yeah. here we're going to be talking some Rams Bears today. Yeah, so we definitely are. Your team is rolling right now, but uh, we're all hoping on the Bears side that you guys come grinding to a halt when you have this bare weather, about 20 degrees where the game is looking like. One big yeah. thing for this game and this weather is always uh, the run game. And you have, without a doubt, the bets in the game right now. Ty Gurley leads the lead in rushing with, uh, with almost uh, 1,200 yards in the ground, also leading the lead in yards of scrimmage. He can catch the ball like a receiver out of the backfield. He's fast, mm-hmm. he's strong, never comes off the field. What do you think we can do to slow him down here? Is that impossible, or is he just a one-man wrecking crew? What's going to be the key to stopping him today? Uh, I think you caught him at a good time because uh, he's definitely – he did pretty well uh, last week against the Lions, but the week before against the Chiefs, he did kind of tweak his ankle a little bit. I don't think it's a major injury, but definitely knocked him out. Uh, definitely kind of limited, limited him during the game. So you saw Malcolm Brown is back up a little more. And Brown is now out for the season. Um, I believe uh, he suffered – unless I'm mistaken, a shoulder injury. And so, yes, Todd Gurley is absolutely a three-down back, but the fact that um, he's not going to really have a super reliable backup when he does need a breather is definitely uh, something that is something to watch out for. So you'll definitely see Gurley a lot, but um, it's important to note um, and of course, against the stout front seven that you guys have, yep, um, definitely there'll definitely be some wear and tear on them. So I'm expecting a, a solid game again for Gurley to be sure, um, but this is definitely one of his toughest tasks of the year. Yeah, I think this one all kind of like last week with the Giants. It all starts and ends with our ability to stop the run with you guys. Because mm-hmm. if we, if you guys are lighting up on all cylinders, run game, pass game with your weapons, it's really hard to slow you down. That's been proven this year. I know one game, you talked about the Chiefs where you got a little banged up. I see one game against the Cardinals where they held them to just over 42 yards. 
with just about a two-yard average. Was there anything specific that they were able to do that week to slow him down, or did he just have an off day? Uh, I think that was more that. Um, I mean, that game was a that was week two, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah, that was a thirty-four nothing blowout that um, we gave. Actually, we gave Malcolm Brown quite a bit of the carries in the second half there, just to keep Gurley rested and stuff. So that was more. Um, I think if you want to know the big secret, what that the Cardinals did, it would be to uh, fall behind big early, which I don't think you guys want to replicate that approach. So, um, uh, so yeah, I think it was more just giving him a little bit of a uh, breather there. And yeah, I think that um, like the game, like I said, that game got quick, that game got uh, lopsided pretty early. So, Gurley didn't have to do too much there. Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times there will be plays where uh, it depends on how creative, really, the run designs get because McVay is really a wizard in creating in the pass. And the pass is really, I think, where, because like you said, the Bears do a pretty good job of stopping the run. Um, And granted, they have a pretty good secondary, too. I mean, you guys have easily one of the best defenses in the league. But um, where I think Gurley can really get unleashed is kind of in the mid-level pass game and stuff. Just get him the ball, get him an easy throw, um, either a screen pass or something where he's got a little open field to maneuver, and then he's one of the most unstoppable guys in the league once he has uh, a little bit of that space. So the yeah, question I mean, is how still- fast how fast your guys, how fast your secondary um, and your linebackers can kind of get to Gurley and stop him before he's done too much damage. I think that'll be a big key and stop. Yeah. I think this will be a great matchup between him and his fellow Georgia Bulldog, Roquan Smith. Roquan, I mean, you see it yeah. all, every single week you see it where Todd Gurley gets a little swing pass going outside with blockers in front of him. He just gets that speed and he's too strong and too fast for anybody to stop him. So that'll be a huge one to be able to negate that and hopefully slow him down a bit to there. You also touched on yeah. the passing game. You guys obviously have one of the most prolific passing offenses. A lot of that's due to your coach scheming up some absolute wizardry on there, but also you have some big names out there. Brandon Cooks is over 1,000 yards. Uh, I want you to talk a little about him and what he can do to damage your defense. Obviously, he's just a stud already. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is he's fast, and he's, he's fast, and he's a fantastic route runner, which when you have those two, when you can do those two things well, you are like – you are the prototypical Sean McVay wide receiver because if you can, McVay is so good at designing routes and designing plays to get guys open that if you can just run that route and beat your guy in man coverage, you are going to be a star basically. Um, And so cooks obviously was already proven um, in his time in uh, new Orleans and new England. Like he, he already had a great track record and so for him to kind of come in and kind of take this passing attack to the next level, I don't think anyone was really necessarily surprised by that. Um, but it's definitely uh, like the fit was pretty obvious from the beginning. So um, it's, you know, obviously it's great to see that the fit worked out, but also uh, um, I think that, you know, no one is necessarily shocked that he's having this big year because he is, like I said, he is literally the perfect wide receiver for a Sean McVay offense. Yeah, I feel like he was kind of the last piece you guys are missing with that offense, just a deep vertical threat. I mean, Sammy Watkins had that a little bit, but I think Brandon Cooks is a little younger, a little faster, and a little better at that. Another guy, 
you touch on being a prototypical McVay receiver, Brandon Cooks, another guy I think fits that description perfectly is uh, Cooper Cup, your second-year receiver there. But losing him for the season now, has that affected your offense too much, or is it just plug-and-play with Robert Woods now? Uh, I think it's less plug-and-play with Woods. I think you're still going to see Woods on the outside because he's not um, – Woods is a little older. He's not as fast. He's a great route runner, so he's definitely – I mean, he he was probably – he was honestly probably our number one receiver last year, um, yeah. really even with Sammy Watkins. So um, Woods, I think, would stay more to the outside. I think you'll see Josh Reynolds get involved a little more. We all we have seen Josh Reynolds get involved a little more, especially in that Chiefs game. Gerald, Gerald Everett as well with two touchdowns in the second half of that game. Um, so the Rams definitely have some weapons, um, but you're absolutely right that they're missing an elite one in Cooper Cup, and that's, that's a huge plus for the Bears because it gives them um, – when you get Eddie Jackson, that secondary involved in there, like they're going to have their hands full covering Cooks and Woods and not having to worry about um, yeah, really one of the best slot receivers in the game, especially with how much we use Cup out of the slot before he went yeah. down. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that definitely help. That definitely helps you guys. Um, I think like the Rams definitely still have some weapons that they can do damage, damage with, especially in the red zone. But, um, it's one thing to rely on those guys against, uh, defenses like the chiefs who, and chiefs obviously have an amazing offense, kind of a average, slightly below average defense. And then the lions, um, kind of middle, kind of middle of the road. But, uh, when you face uh, a good playoff caliber defense like the Bears, this is where an absence like Cup can make them can uh, again just kind of be felt the most. So I think the Rams definitely have some weapons that they will turn to, um, but again, it depends on how well really you guys are able to bottle up Cooks and Woods, and then how well um, and then whether Goff can get like a Gerald Everett or a Tyler Higby or a Josh Reynolds really going. Um, so the Rams definitely have no shortage of weapons, but uh, it pretty much depends on how much damage those secondary weapons can do um, uh, and whether you guys can limit, can really limit uh, like Gurley and Cooks um, or whether you know, those guys are going to be able to spring open for some big plays. Yeah, I'm hoping we can uh, kind of stick Eddie Jackson back there and have him spy on Brandon Cooks the whole day. If we can take away that deep threat and make you beat us with Robert Woods in the middle, I think that'll bode well for us. But all this passing game starts and ends with Jared Goff, who is playing like one of the best in the league right now. He's on pace for over 5,000 yards in the air and over 35 touchdowns. If he wasn't mm-hmm. playing in the league with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees, he'd be up there for MVP with these numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a guy, kind of like Trubisky, that didn't have a great start as a rookie. Kind of... Had some people questioning whether he was a good pick or not, and then just flipped that switch in year two. So Trubisky, he's definitely played a lot better this season, but he didn't quite make the jump overnight. He still has some bumps in the road. So I want to ask you, as a guy who's kind of seen this happen before your own eyes, did Goff have those mistakes the second year, or was he just lights out from day one? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's still a pretty subset, a pretty big subset of Rams fans um, that really it really took until this year to really kind of come with okay no Goff isn't just a product of McVay's system like he is a legitimate star quarterback um because a Rams fans are not used to star quarterbacks at all uh same with Bears fans you know, the last yep. time the last time we thought we might have a star he uh tore his ACL for like three years in a row so uh, <laughs> uh we also so know I, that feels in Chicago yeah so um I think a few uh 
I think um, it took it definitely took people a little while. I think even last year there were some questions of okay, Goff might be good, but he's not great. He's just he's he just fits in really a good in, in what's really a good system. I think the best comparison I can give for Jared Goff is like a Kirk Cousins, a guy who kind of started out with some definite bumps in the road early in his career. Um, I think, obviously, you know, Cousins was initially a backup to RG3, whereas Goff was the overall pick, so Goff definitely had more expectation coming in. Um, but really, like, Goff was able to, like, they were both able to come into uh, a system with some really, really good offensive coordinators, um, of course, or offensive play callers. Of course, Cousins had uh, McVay in Washington and had Kyle Shanahan before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Goff obviously has McVay in L.A., so what you, uh, um, so then, but as they progress and obviously they do well enough to keep starting. So then you see them progress, you see them become more comfortable and you see golf really, I think you could almost argue that he really flipped the switch this year compared to last, um, just his comfortability of having, you know, another year, a year down with Robert Woods, um, because he had a pretty much an all new receiving core last year. Um, so having a year of familiarity with Woods and Cup, having Cooks be able to kind of be a perfect fit, like I said, just a perfect plug-and-play guy in McVay's system, um, a year where they have, you know, they, like, Goff and Gurley understand how prolific they can be together um, in terms of the RPOs and stuff. And so um, I think you're just seeing a real sense of confidence. Of course, Goff's still young, so he definitely was given – that time to develop as well. So I think what you're seeing is just the best version of Jared Goff that I think Rams fans could have ever hoped for. Um, uh, he could easily become one of the best um, air raid, uh, like air raid uh, alumni uh, in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL. Of course, I say that I say one of the best because there's a guy in Kansas City by the name of Pat Mahomes who's doing pretty doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. So Jared Goff will never be on the level of like one of the truly like cream of the crop elite quarterbacks, but he's right in that next tier. And he's pretty much I like I'd say at this point it's pretty safe to say that he's uh filled his potential. Yeah, I mean, even just like looking at him, he plays great. He makes some amazing, amazing throws. Trubisky can do some of the yeah. same things, and it's encouraging to hear you say that it wasn't overnight thing because Trubisky still does make some mistakes here and there. Yeah. Only thing you talked about having an extra year in the system with those guys developing that trust between him and the coaches, learning the chemistry and tendencies helps a lot. And we talk a lot about scheme fit here and system with both of our offenses, and uh, we think we have a little bit of our own version of McVay offense here with Matt Nagy. Now, uh, mm-hmm. not to take any credit away from these amazing players you have, but a big part of your explosion recently has been because of McVeigh. Oh, so, absolutely. Uh, do you, you know he was special right away, or did, did it take some time to warm up to him? Um, I was on board from day one, but that was more because you know he was a pretty, like, he was a like he already had a track record. I mean, no one knew he was like this good of an offensive mind. I think mm-hmm. like the. Um, or I shouldn't say nobody, I should say just kind of the general football-watching public didn't realize how good of an offensive mind he was um, when he was in Washington, but they did, uh, uh, but he did come with obviously a more creative offensive mind than Jeff Fisher, and That's which uh, is an extremely low bar, uh, but again, you know, it's comparable to your situation with John Fox, mm-hmm. and um, 
And then he also brought along uh, Wade Phillips, whose resume obviously speaks for itself. Um, so the fact that we'd still get uh, a great accomplished defensive coordinator to help, uh, you know, kind of uh, keep take care of business on that side of the ball with the talent that we had on that side of the ball. Um, uh, and then the idea that um, a, guy, a young guy who was pretty much the anti-Jeff Fisher, I think, sold Rams. <laughs> I, think, I think he had Rams fans pretty much sold from day one, but I don't think anyone expected him to be this amazing of a coach. Yeah, we're still seeing how well Nagy works. I mean, obviously we're winning these games, but uh, very similar to what you guys had. You just had an old school guy who got kind of passed by by the league. You bring in a young hotshot who brings in the defensive coordinator, like you said, to focus on that side of the ball so he can just put all his time in the offense. We did the same. Yeah. Got Fangio to stay. I think that's huge. But yeah. uh, one thing we've seen from Nagy is he is still a young head coach. This is the first time we see some small mistakes here and there. Like in last week against the yeah. Giants, we had a pretty poorly timed timeout and it gave him a chance at a field goal. Now, did McVay yeah. have any of those mistakes? Has he just been, again, lights out from day one? I think he's definitely had, I think he definitely had some growing pains. Um, I'm thinking back um, to last season. Um, I think definitely there was a week two game against Washington. I think he could have handled uh, better. I think some late games as well. Um, uh, against the Eagles, for instance. Um, obviously, the Eagles that year went on to win the Super Bowl, but that was definitely a winnable game for us. Um, and uh, the play, McVay. Really Nick Foles, right? Gonna, yeah, that was again. Well, that was the game where Wentz tore his ACL. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, so, that was, so that was mainly against Wentz and then Nick Foles at the end. <clears throat> um, and uh, so, um, uh, so, yeah, there was some play calling. And so, McVay, what makes McVay such a good coach and what earns him so much respect is when he does make mistakes. Even honestly, when his mistakes aren't the reason that we lost, a lot of times, you know, put, guys just don't execute. He's the first guy to take the blame for those mistakes and kind of berate himself in his play. I can't tell you how many times he's come into a post-game press conference, even after a win, and just kind of berated himself for things that uh, he should have done differently in the play calling and the game calling. Um, so he's definitely a guy who, like, he's, he's one of the most humble guys, really, uh, you'll ever see, especially in the position that he's in. Um, <clears throat> I'd say, and so because of that, you know, there's a steady upward trajectory and stuff in terms of how he manages games and the, the plays that he calls. Like, I think he did a fantastic job. Um, you know, he did a fantastic job of really designing some really good plays. I think back to that uh, kind of sideline uh, out and go route that uh, Gerald Everett ran in the Monday night game against Kansas City where um, he did a great job of really on the play calling side. He didn't do such a good job on the game management side. The Rams had all the Rams had zero timeouts, like halfway through the fourth quarter. And um, really that was a little bit of luck and a little bit of, again, just play calling and execution as well. So, you know, McVay does get some credit for that, but he got like that Rams win really kind of masked the fact that he got, in terms of clock management, he got thoroughly outclassed by, of all people, Andy Reid. So, you know, again, it's, it's picking, it's nitpicky, but yeah, I think that McVay, you know, sometimes you really remember, oh yeah, he is still a younger coach. So, you know, as long as the 
positives outweigh the negatives. And in this case, you know, obviously the positives of McVay and his style greatly, greatly, greatly outweigh the negatives. Um, you know, we it's easy to live with the mistakes he does have. But, yeah, he does. I mean, he he's definitely not above making mistakes. Yeah, definitely. I can see what you mean with that. I mean, uh, Nagy in the game against the Giants. I'm sorry about that. But uh, Nagy in the Giants game, he had that one small mistake with a timeout. But then uh, the fourth quarter, we needed a game, not game winning, game time drive to get it to overtime. And he called some brilliant plays in that one. So you see a couple small mistakes here and there. But in general, it's an upward trajectory, like you said, training in the right direction, which is what we love to see as our teams are building up here. Yeah. And I think you, you've made a really good point. Uh, the Bears are basically, I look at the Bears and I see the 2017 Rams. Uh, almost, it's kind of scary how, how much the resemblance uh, kind of reminds me of where the Rams were last year in terms of you have a first-year head coach who is a really smart, innovative offensive mind. You have a second-year quarterback who everyone was ready to give up on last year. Um, but then you kind of replace, you get a coach who kind of knows more where the league's headed on offense, um, and you can and who can work with the quarterback and really coax that talent, that talent that made him such a high draft pick out of him. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have, um, uh, you know, you get you sign some guys to bring weapons around him. Like I'm thinking Allen Robinson and stuff, guys like that, Trey Burton. You get some new weapons uh, who kind of know the system a little better um, around your young quarterback. And then uh, on the flip side, uh, on defense, um, you go out, you you pretty much keep what's there. I know we kept um, uh, we quite, we kept actually uh, we keep obviously in coordinators, but there were quite a few assistant coaches under Fisher who are still around on the Rams because the strengths of the Rams under Fisher were really. Uh, you know, grinding it out on defense uh, and special teams, and you know, running the ball. You running the ball uh, when you have a talent like Gurley. Now we didn't do enough in terms of creatively running the ball and then getting the pass game going, which made it really tough on Gurley uh, in really sophomore season. But um, we kept his running backs. We kept Gurley's running backs coach. We kept our special teams coordinator John Fassel, who I think is one of the most like really un- underrated coaches in the game. Um, so you guys keep, you know, on the Bears side, obviously, like you said, you keep Vic Fangio, you know, you keep what was already a pretty underrated defense pretty much in place. And then the last, the last component is, uh, is you go out and you swing for the fences in the trade market. I mean, we didn't really see that in 2017 as much as we did after that season with, you know, Brandon Cooks, uh, Marcus, Marcus Peters, Nadal could sue, but uh, obviously in the Bears, you you go out and you get a guy like Khalil Mack, who, um, and that is obviously such a perfect perfect fit um, in terms of like the Bears' identity and in who the uh, and just kind of like um, what the Bears kind of needed that missing piece. So I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the upward trajectory on the bear that the Bears are on. I think seeing the Rams this year should give Bears fans a lot of hope for what can come because this is a team that, I mean, really, it's a team full of younger, promising guys that really aren't going. I, nobody is really going anywhere anytime soon. 
So uh, I, you know, I, I won't be surprised if the Bears stick around and make some noise in the NFC North for not just this year, but uh, uh, the next few years to come. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I actually wrote an article earlier this year, or before the season started, comparing the two teams, and that was even before we got Khalil and that. So we've been on similar paths as far as signing, free agents, drafting, similar positions like the wide receiver position to kind of overhaul that. Kind of the coaching aspect has been similar. And uh, you brought up the defensive side of the ball. Another thing that's similar is we have two absolute stars in our defenses, Aaron Dunn and Khalil Mack. Yep. Pretty similar contracts as well, but uh, I hate to say it, I think Aaron Dunn was leading this defensive player of the year race right now. He has 16 and a half sacks in the season. Obviously, just a one-man wrecking crew in that defensive front. What can he do to change the game, and what should we do to be prepared for him, if anything? Uh, Double-team double team him and pray. Yeah. That's about, <laughs> the best, uh, that's about the best advice I can give. Uh, I can give you for stopping Aaron Donald because that's he's he's pretty much unstoppable. I mean, you see Honestly. Pro Bowl caliber O lines just get absolutely shredded by him, even when uh, he doesn't get sacked. I obviously I don't have the exact numbers on this, but I guarantee that like at least like seventy percent of holds on opposing O lines in our games this past year have come on whatever guy was on Aaron Donald. Oh yeah, we get so a lot of even, those with Mac too. Not only is he leading the lead in sacks, but uh, if you want to talk about like forced penalties, I mean, I'm sure he's up there as well. Uh, and even when he doesn't like get the sack, he's usually forcing a bad throw or he's stripping the ball. I mean, he had two huge, huge, huge force fumbles of uh, Pat Mahomes in that uh, in that game against Kansas City, and then. Um, Again, just had an abs- was kind of a one-man wrecking crew against Detroit in what I think was honestly, uh, honestly, probably be his best game of the year. Um, so, you know, you see a lot of, uh, uh, you just, I mean, we kind of know what he's capable of at this point in his career, but it's still just amazing to watch him uh, just kind of go out there and, just be in unstoppable force. So yeah, Trubisky will definitely uh, have his hands full. He'll definitely need to, Trubisky and Nagy will definitely need to have a game plan that accounts for Aaron Donald, um, get some, you know, quick throws on slant, slant routes and stuff. I think you'll see a lot of that just to minimize the pressure on Trubisky. Um, but really it's going to come down to, you know, how well can that O-line keep Aaron Donald at bay uh, for Trubisky to kind of unlock, you know, some of the some of the deeper throws that can really swing the game around, and then how quickly yep. can, um, and then how quickly can uh, like Trubisky and Jordan Howard um, make some dam- do some damage more with shorter runs or shorter kind of outlet passes um, without Donald kind of coming in and blowing up the play. So. I think Donald is definitely, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you know, we're just talking about Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, like you said, you know, if he wasn't behind, like, Pat Mahomes um, and Drew Brees and, you know, even Philip Rivers, honestly, uh, he begins a more MVP talk. You could argue he's the third most, he's the third best player on his own team, which is ridiculous. That's scary. Um, uh, given Donald on the D-line and then obviously you're in the backfield. So, um, so yeah, I mean, watching the Rams this year has been an absolute blast. And I think, you know, the Rams defense is honestly like, it's good it is nowhere near an elite defense. Um, 
but Aaron Donald helps mask a lot of our flaws in the secondary and in our linebacking core because of just who he is and how much he, his presence alone can kind of swing game on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's the one-man guy in your defense that just carried your defense, and your secondary is a little lacking right now. He did make some big acquisitions in the offseason, and we'll talk about that more later. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the other guy in the interior, it's Dominican Sue, a guy that yeah. we have been absolutely terrorized by in Chicago for years and years and mm-hmm. years. So it's nice. To, it was nice to see him go to Miami. It's not so nice to see him coming back here. Again, he's just been killing our quarterbacks for years. But this year, he only has three and a half sacks. Now, he's never been a huge double-digit sack guy. He's more mm-hmm. a run stopper, but he only has three and a half yeah. this year, and the tackles for loss aren't really there either. So yeah. is this a byproduct of him playing next to Aaron Donald, who's beating him to the ball every time, or is he just having a down season? Uh, I think it's both. I think he's definitely he's older. He's past his prime. So I yep. think, you know, we never expected him to become like another Aaron Donald aside from Aaron Donald. I think you see you do see a lot of plays where he kind of is able to help with tackles and just stopping the you know, kind of making sure uh uh a run doesn't get more than like one or two yards behind uh in front of the line of scrimmage. You've seen I've seen a lot of plays where he'll um, be involved in a tackle where a runner's kind of going more to the outside and he'll hustle over there and help there. So I think he's definitely been useful. He's definitely a solid, useful player, but he's nowhere. He, yeah, he's not the Nadal that terrorized you guys when he was on, when he was in the Lions uniform for so many years. He's definitely, he's still an effective player. He's still definitely someone, you know, Jordan Howard's going to have to watch out for. But um, he's definitely not the, you know, superstar that's going to have, uh, a big game. I mean, he did. It was funny because you, you did see him kind of turn back the clock and really get get inside a few times against the Lions, where you know I'm sure he had some yeah. extra motivation there. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so you know, again against an old rival, you might see a little bit more of that. But um, I think you know if he's going to make a difference in the game, it'll really be in the run. And uh, so again, yeah, he's a solid. You know, he's a he's a solid. Uh, player he's definitely uh, a valuable piece of the defense but he's definitely not the you know he's he's definitely nowhere close to the uh, superstar that he was that I'm sure is much more fresh in Bears fans minds yeah definitely I don't think we're gonna be running in this game as much as you would expect Nagy mm-hmm. is committed to running the ball no doubt but he's also shown the tendency to abandon the run if he needs to and I think this is gonna yeah. be a perfect example of when that happens. We don't have the best interior line right now. We lost Kyle Long for the season. So we have a good That's center right. Cody Whitehair, but our two starting guards, one's a rookie and one is a guy up the street and uh, Brian Witzman. Neither of those guys I expect to be able to hold up too well to your monsters inside. And Trubisky's game kind of fits that scheme a little bit well too, where he's not as much of a guy who needs to step up into the pocket to throw. He kind of likes to escape to the outside. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. he can get out before Aaron Donald can get to him. And uh, he's going to be throwing a lot on your defense now. With the air raid offense we've been trying to do now, it helps when your corners aren't really playing up to their standard. You have two yeah. stars out there, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. But obviously, Aqib Tlaib's only played in four games this year, and Marcus Peters only has two interceptions. So yeah. what's kind of been going on with them? They have Aaron Donald getting the pressure, but they don't seem to be doing too much on the back end. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, Tlaib is older and he's been hurt, um, but I'd honestly call him the best corner on our team right now. Really? Because Marcus Peters has not done well at all. You go back and you look at big plays. If you go back and like compile a highlights list of big play touchdowns against the Rams, 80% of them are going to be on 
uh, a guy that Marcus Peters was covering. I think Ooh. back to our one loss of the season um, uh, against the Saints where uh, we had the ball. I think it was a three-point game late. Uh, it was like third down. And uh, Peters was about five, five yards uh, behind. He was, I think he was trying to like jump the route or something. He was, I don't know what he was doing, but he was a good five yards behind or five or six yards behind uh, uh, Michael, Michael Thomas and like Breeze. Yeah, it was a great pass from Breeze, but Breeze, like, Breeze just had to fling the ball up, and it was an easy touchdown to kind of seal the game there. So, um, Marcus Peters is definitely, I'd say, the biggest disappointment on the 2018 Rams. Um, I don't think it's particularly close. So I think you can definitely do some damage. Um, uh, now, granted, the Bears don't have like quite that caliber of wideout of like a Michael Thomas or yeah, um, we don't have definitely like, Michael Thomas. <laughs> even like a really great deep threat like a I'm thinking to Tyler Lockett on the Seahawks he's burned Peters in both games that uh we played against the Seahawks this year um so I think you'll definitely see uh you know you'll definitely see uh, I don't think Nagy should be afraid to throw at Peters at all but um uh so I definitely think that um you'll definitely see Peters targeted I don't know how you know, it depends on how much separation they can get and how much Peters can avoid, can avoid the temptation to kind of go after the pick. Um, but I think, uh, I think that's where a lot of damage can be done against the Rams for sure, is if Peters is kind of in there in the... Uh, uh, is if uh, a guy like an Allen Robinson can kind of get, uh, uh, get some separation against Peters. Uh, and do some damage. So that's definitely a weak spot of the Rams for sure. And I think Tlaib being back will help. I think you'll start to see Tlaib get the number one assignment more because he still has great veteran tendencies, even if he's not as fast as he once was. And so he can definitely, I think getting him back out there will be huge for our defense because having that leadership. But um, I definitely think our secondary, uh, especially on the outside with Peters, um, will... uh, uh, is definitely a weak spot. I think, you know, depends on how much LaMarcus Joyner can get involved and make the right reads as well. I think that'll be a big key to whether how much the Bears passing attack can really do. Um, because Joyner is a great player as well. And if he can make the right reads and he can get over there and he can, you know, get some, break up some passes and uh, keep some guys contained, uh, that, could make, that could make a big difference in this game as well. And I'm going to have a little bit of a bold statement here. This was three years ago. I would be getting laughed off the air right now, but I think this game might be a bit of a shootout here. I mean, obviously, your offense is so good, you can't expect the defense to completely stop them, and your defense is 19th in scoring and 18th in yards. Pretty average, not like a world beater by any means. So I think it's going to come down to who can outscore the other person. I think we yeah. saw that when you guys lost to yeah. the Saints. That's the formula to beat your team. It's a very, mm-hmm. very, very tough formula to follow, but uh, what do you think yeah. we're going to be seeing as far as score here? Who's going to win this one? Uh, I think the Rams definitely want want it to be a shootout. That's that's how the Rams want to play. Like we saw that, we saw that especially against elite teams that they play. We saw that against Kansas City. We saw that against mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, we've seen that um, both games against Seattle have been super high scoring. Um, so I think the the name of the game is definitely to you know run up run up the scoreboard as much as possible and then kind of contain the 
contain the other guys, um, like always be one step ahead of the other guys. So I think, you know, at this point, the Rams kind of want to account for, you know, the an opponent, especially an opponent um, with such a good uh, kind of offensive offensive system as the Bears. Uh, they're they're going to know that hey yeah they're going to score points on us yeah. but we're going to stay one step ahead of them which I think this is the type of game where that formula can kind of crumble we saw that in New Orleans um, when you've got Drew Brees just kind of playing out of his mind and the Saints are the Saints are able to get just enough stops to kind of give Drew Brees time to uh, really kind of lead a comeback there um, but or yeah I think the Rams actually came back in that game but. Um, uh, you know, against against a Bears defense, I mean, I probably the best defense that we've gone up against all year. Um, I think this yep, definitely probably that. looking at the looking at the rest of the schedule. I'd say this is our, if we're gonna go fourteen and two, like this will probably this is probably the game that um, uh, I could lose because the rest of our schedule. I mean, we got at home against the Eagles and then a couple of. NFC West bottom feeders and we're done. So this is definitely the ba- this is definitely the toughest test on the Rams left on the Rams schedule. So uh, you're definitely we're definitely gonna see uh, we're definitely gonna see I think a really really good game and yeah. quite frankly this is only you know I haven't said this much this season but I would not be surprised if, we'll let, if the Rams lose in, in a close one. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I have a pretty similar score prediction. I got some actual numbers to it. I think it's going to be Bears 31, Rams 27. I put this out in our mm. Chicago Sports Nation predictions. I think, like you said, it's going to be about getting just enough stops when it counts. I think you guys are going to score. We're not going to shut you guys out. I mean, the Saints and Cowboys game was a bit of an anomaly. Hopefully, I'm praying that happens. If that happens, I think we win that game. But I do think yeah. uh, you're going to find ways to score. It's all about getting those couple key stops in the red zone. Maybe force you guys into a field goal or two. And that's how we win this one in my mind. Yeah, I think that's definitely the formula. I think the formula is definitely um, you want to come out early. I think being at home in Chicago uh, and um, probably, again, weather-wise, the harshest environment that the Rams have played uh, this year, for sure. Um, So I think you're definitely going to see a really – you're going to definitely see the Rams out of their element in a number of different ways, I think, especially in terms of Goff kind of getting hurried a little more um, because our O-line has been playing so well, but we haven't had to play against, you know, like a Khalil Mack. Uh, you're definitely going to see uh, plays that are, you know, designed to kind of counter um, the pressure that that O-line brings. You're going to see, uh, you know, you're going to see some plays where they're, they're going to go after the, that secondary. They're going to go after uh, Eddie Jackson. And so, you know, it really depends on how well I think the Bears can kind of take care of business. Um, you know, the defense, I think the defense is going to have to force some turnovers, um, which the Bears do an excellent job of. Um, and uh, then on the other side, just do enough to kind of control time of possession and make sure you're kind of getting in for three or especially seven. Uh, most times you get downfield. So. Uh, I'm expecting a great game. Um, I'd say this is probably the only time, uh, especially for the rest of the season, I put the Rams as a bit of an underdog, but I'm expecting a good game. And uh, it obviously wouldn't surprise me uh, if the Rams pull it out.
Yeah, I mean, this will be an interesting one. This is one that you're just so glad to see Flux Sunday night. This is yep. a perfect Sunday night game, one of the best of the season, in my mind at least, and definitely the most fun Bears game of the season for me. We had some close ones against the Vikings, some other teams like that, but this for me is the one that shows if we can play with you guys, this is what makes us a playoff team. If we can't, then maybe you're not quite there yet, but this will be a great, great game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, talking sports to me here. Really appreciate it. I'm sure Bears fans appreciate getting a little look at the opponent. So, uh, well, thank you for coming on. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Harrison. Awesome. I'll see you later, man.